Howdy, everyone. Welcome to the Kofefi Break. Today is Monday, September 28th. I'm your co-host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as usual, by Carrie Smith. Hello, Carter. How you doing, Carrie? Oh, I just stepped in it. <laughs> what? What do you mean? Well, it's funny. I just, uh, uh, I, I plan to talk about something else with you at the top of the show, but then this thing just happened, so maybe I should just tell you about it. And then we could yeah, go from there. Yeah, let's do our admin stuff and you can just tell me about <laughs> yeah. it after. Is that, is that good? You All do right. the admin stuff. We're going to turn this light on. Okay. Um, if you like the show, you can support us financially by going to unsafespace.com slash donate. Uh, we also have a Subscribestar page. You can find us on Subscribestar. We have a monthly goal. We're about, I think, halfway to our monthly, our monthly goal. Um, and if you can't support us financially but you want to support the show, you can just like, share, subscribe. Um, the more you share it, uh, the wider audience we get, the better we, you know, the, the more people hear the message, and uh, that's all good. The other thing I want to mention is, uh, just as a reminder, we're doing a pilot show on Wednesday, this Wednesday at 5 Pacific, 7 Central, uh, called Token Minority Report, which is hosted by uh, Beverly, and she will... Well, I don't know what it's going to be like. She's completely in charge, so, you know, blame her. Uh, and the last thing I wanted to say was, uh, or, or give her credit if it goes well. The last thing I wanted to say was uh, thank you to Let Freedom Ring America, who sent me a box of ties. I now, ha I now <laughs> have to buy shirts uh, because I have way more ties than shirts. I don't have very many nice shirts, even. I had very few nice ties. Now I have a whole bunch of nice ties uh, and not enough nice shirts. So uh, it's like that. Carrie, did you ever, when you were growing up, did you ever hear that little, that story? Um, I think it was, I don't know if you'd call it a fable or whatever, but it was like the guy who got new shoelaces and ended up with a house. He no. Like, he got, got like, some, like someone gave him new shoelaces and he was like, oh, well, I need to buy new shoes to go with my shoelaces. And then it was like, well, my pants don't look as nice with my old, with my new shoes. It oh, makes my pants look bad. Started. So I, like it, he upgrades constantly until he has to like buy a new house because he got shoelaces. Um, so maybe, uh, well, maybe let Freedom Ring America has started me on the path to, uh, getting a new house. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I think that's excellent that you have new ties. I'm excited for you. I like your knit tie that someone gave you. Yes. Um, uh, go ahead. So I see I you just, just sent me something. I said, do you want me to put this up on the screen? Is that why you sent it? Yeah, I guess so. Let's do it. Let's just do this. Cause I have some thoughts about it now that. Okay, I guess we'll talk about this. I didn't actually see this, but I did. I didn't see this whole thread. I just saw your first initial comment, so I didn't know that a thread happened after this. This is interesting. Okay. Oh yeah, and it was kind of unexpected. Um, so I just did a post because, um, and the post it you can show it. Yeah. Uh, this is this is where I'm at on mass now, and like most people, hopefully. Uh, my opinions have changed over the past six months, have gone in lots of different directions. As you do more reading and as you also also as we wait to see, you know, what the infection rates are are and what the death rates are. And as we get more information, my opinions have changed. And um, where where I've been at most recently is this. Uh, so it's an image of people wearing masks and it says, I'm not wearing your face burqa. And I posted it and I just said, I don't care what you choose to do. I understand your fear. I understand the power of the media. 
I support your right to make your own choices. I appreciate you supporting mine. And then Kathy Young, the journalist, a blue checkmark journalist, replied to me and said, get fucked. That's all the response you deserve, you utter piece of shit. Wait, who's she a journalist for? Um, I, you know, I've read some pieces of hers that I've really liked, and I'm trying to remember who she reports for most, mostly. She's an independent journalist, but she's done some, like, she she reports for some mainstream, very legitimate publications. And she's on the left. Oh, okay, so she frequently contributes to Reason, Newsday, and Re- Real Clear Politics. And I like oh, her writing. Okay. I've followed her. I actually, she's someone who I think, probably personally is not very stable in some ways because I've also seen her do um, really biased attacks on Dave Rubin and there was some big drama. I can't remember. I I loosely followed it at the time, but she based, she, from what I recall was trying to make, she's one of these people who says Dave Rubin's not a liberal and says he's on the right and it's kind of attacked a lot of the people who are on the left or who are classical liberals um, who are in the I, so-called IDW, you know, the intellectual dark web, and, and has tried to say that they're all right-wingers. And so... so I, Sounds like she has one too many I, glasses of red wine into the evening, but okay. Uh, is it the evening already? I don't know yeah. what it was. When did you so, did, when did you do this? Was it this morning? I just posted this. Oh, no, oh, so, okay. Yeah. So it's like one o'clock here. I don't know, but she... Um, you know, anyway, all that, all that background to say, she's someone who's writing, I've both appreciated and disagreed with, but someone who I respect and um, follow. And so this, yeah, this response was surprising. But also I will say, look, we all react out of emotion sometimes. And so here's, I, I replied to her, I said, very emotional. I think you're participating in something that's causing great harm. I think the harm of wearing these outweighs the good. And yet I understand you think the opposite and and don't resort to the name calling that you just did, childish. So the reason I wanted to share this is because I was thinking about the people who choose not to wear masks. I think most of us understand, or at least I'll, I'll just speak for me. I understand the people who choose to wear the masks. I understand that they think that they that the the greater good of wearing one outweighs any harm of wearing one and that they are doing what they think is in the best interest of not just themselves and their and other people they're doing what they think is in the best interest of humanity i disagree with them i think they're wrong um, but I understand that they have good intentions, at least most of them. I think some just don't really think very much about what they're doing and just follow the herd. But but I think most of them have good intentions. And and I was thinking about the, I don't think they understand me or or others who choose not to wear it. I don't think they think we have good intentions. In fact, you'll see there's lots of responses to that tweet. And a lot of people just ignore what I said. I also posted a follow up tweet explaining because I, 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 it's like you can disagree with what my reasons are, but if you're getting my reasons wrong, then we're just talking past each other. You don't even understand me. You just have an assumption of why I don't wear it. And so a lot of people in the comments were making those assumptions like, oh, it's so hard to wear a mask. I said, no, I don't think it's hard. <laughs> Do you think it's hard? I don't think it's hard. I didn't say that. That's not where my argument's rooted. Or, you know, it's it's not out of a selfishness or out of it that it's hard. It's that... Like you, I'm looking at 
the weighing the good and the bad, the harm and the good, I think that the harm in wearing them vastly outweighs the good. I don't think they understand that. We that some of us believe that. They don't understand that that's our position. They don't even understand our reasoning. And so uh, I think her her response is, and I, I mean, it's, an, it's rooted in emotion. Look, she's not being her best self. I am not always my best self. I wasn't my best self this weekend. <laughs> so, so I'm in a, I'm in a place where I'm, I'm uh, primed to be more, I guess, generous and forgiving of that kind of response because look, I know we all go there. It's just a tribalist um, response, anyway, right? You you pushing yeah. back against masks is pushing back against the uniform that her tribe wears, and that's that's all it is. It's just a uh, it's a tribalist response. Oh, you're in the other tribe, therefore you're. And notice that she jumps directly to dehumanizing, right? She doesn't even say yeah. you're a bad person. You are an utter piece of shit. Like yeah. okay. That's a, She's making a that's a, about I mean, that is like you're in the wrong tribe and people in the wrong tribe aren't people. Okay. Yeah. And, and incidentally, this is happens to be she's hit upon one of the reasons I think masks are bad, which is I think they are are making us worse people. I think that they contribute to dehumanizing and studies show that they do. So I've been reading some studies about the effects of mask wearing and they do, they do a lot of things that, that are common sense of that. Of course they do. Um, one study was done about children and Halloween candy and they showed that obviously <laughs> if you're wearing a mask, that kids were more likely like 60 something percent more likely to take more candy when they had been given the rules and told not to, that it lowers impulse control. You can think of the internet as a kind of mask and you, we've all seen this on the internet. Well, just like this, people are much faster to dehumanize you and to um, react in angry, emotional, impulsive ways and to not be the best version of themselves. So she unintentionally, I guess, proved one of the reasons I think mask wearing is bad is that it's making us worse versions of ourselves. So here are my fears in case I just want to lay them out because I mm -hmm. don't think people understand why I'm not wearing it. Um, and, and maybe people have different reasons for not wearing it. I certainly have a myriad of reasons. I am very worried about the long-term cumulative effects of what this is doing to us as a people, what it's doing to humanity. I don't think it's doing I don't think the good, the, p the potential good of wearing them, which is even arguable. You can go argue about there are scientists who disagree on whether we should be wearing them or not. They're little bacteria factories. They're telling us that only the N95 ones do anything anyway. And most of the ones people are wearing are not N95 ones. So we're putting these dirty things on our faces every day and restricting our breathing. So you, you, the science, you can argue about the science all day. And I, my opinion is not even rooted there. My opinion is rooted in that I think the potential harm is greater than the potential good. I think it's changing our psyche. I think it's changing our um, uh, what we expect from the government. I think it's changing our culture. And I think it is it's making us more compliant as a people. I think it's going to make us more compliant in the future when the government tells us we need to do things or when the government tries to restrict our rights, I think we're becoming a more compliant people. And I'm very concerned about children who are growing up and see who know nothing different, who are very young and all they see are masks on people as if this is what humans do. Humans wear masks all the time. I, that makes me very sad. Last night I was at an outdoor concert 
and everyone was socially distanced. People were sitting far apart from each other, more than six feet apart from each other, and they were still wearing masks. This, the concert was in Austin, so it's a little bit different mask culture than it is where I'm at, where I live. And it was shocking to me to see it and people walking their dogs by themselves with masks on. Walking the dogs by themselves. I told you the other the day. I, yeah, I told you yeah. the other day. I watched someone ride her bike by herself. By the way, I live in like a, I won't say rural, but it feels kind of rural when you're here. Like no one around, literally no one around riding her bike by herself for her long bike trek with a fucking mask. It's, it's like, it's, I don't know. Like you come up to where I live to get fresh air. That's the purpose of being near my house is fresh air. Uh, yeah, but it's. It's very, it's very strange and, and, and it's dystopian and it, it does concern me. I don't think we know all of the negative imp impact that it's going to have yet. But I think we can get an idea by reading some studies about lower inhibitions, lower impulse control, um, the ability, the greater ability to dehumanize other people. And so anyway, um, at this outdoor concert, where everybody was socially distanced, but a lot of people, they were wearing these masks. And I was watching this little kid who maybe four years old, who was playing like four or five playing with a mask on. And I was thinking, like, I can't imagine this being part of all your childhood and being what you know and what you remember. This is, this is your, your introduction to being a, a human being in the world is that, is that humans wear masks. And and I'm, so I'm very worried about kids wearing them and it being normalized yeah. and not even being able to take it off. The parents not taking that kid's mask off so he could play outside. And and so I, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining it, but I do think that if someone wants to disagree with me and, and they can think I'm wrong, um, absolutely. I know a lot of people will think I'm wrong. Uh, just like I think you're, I think you're wrong if you think that the cumulative net positive of wearing them is is greater than the net harm i think you're wrong but at least i understand your position and i think you have good intent and i think you are doing it because you think this is for the good of humanity i don't think you understand that i'm not wearing it because of the good of humanity and i don't i don't want to contribute to the normalization i don't want your little kid to see every single human wearing this all the time and so that's that's all. I wanted to try and explain that to people who don't understand, um, because you disagree with me, but disagree with what I'm saying. Don't disagree with something I didn't say or don't believe. Like, oh, it's hard. It's not hard to wear one. <laughs> I'm not going to. And and to answer, just because I saw the chats moving fast, but I saw a question, and I'm sorry, I, I don't I don't remember your name, and it's moving too fast. But somebody said. Um, would you wear one in a hospital at least, et cetera? Yes, I do wear them occasionally and I choose when I, when to wear them. And like any human, I weigh the, the benefits and negatives and I'll put one on for occasion, occasionally, very rarely. Um, if someone I wanted to visit was in the hospital, yes, I would wear one so I could visit my friend or, you know, what I'm saying is I'm not wearing one outside at these concerts. I'm not wearing one when I walk my dog. Um, a lot of the time I don't, I don't wear them in stores anymore because they arbitrarily, it's so dumb. It's like put one on to come into the restaurant and then take it off. And we're all sitting here without one anyway. It's just, it's arbitrary and, and ridiculous. So I don't wear one in stores. And most of the time, I think, uh, we're far enough along into this where a lot of the stores, at least the ones near me don't bother the, you anymore because they've probably had enough incidents with people who, um, are choosing not to wear them and, and, and who have claimed 
you know, medical exemption or something that they just don't ask anymore. So um, anyway, that's what I choose not to wear it. I think it's changing us. I think it's making us more compliant. And yeah, it looks like a face burger to me. But if you are wearing one, I fully respect it. I have friends who wear them. My boyfriend wears that more than I do. I don't, I, I'm not calling him a piece of shit. Like Kathy called me <laughs> yeah. for doing that. Um, my, so. I mean, my, my problem with the masks is almost entirely, entirely related to the mandatory nature of the government orders of the masks. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, like, I don't have a problem wearing a mask if you wore that before anyone else. Did. Yeah, I'm, yeah. By the way, yeah. I mean, like, I've got more cred here than anyone speaking about it because I was wearing masks and isolating way before anyone in the U.S. was doing that. Um, because we were actually concerned about the coronavirus. Because my, I, for those who don't know, my wife's from China. We've been paying attention. We knew stuff was going on in China. It, the news hadn't really gotten here too much. And flights were still happening, and we freaked out a little bit. We were like, okay, if this is really bad, we're going to wear masks and isolate. And, like, we're the jerks that you don't like that made sure that we had a stockpile of masks and gloves and <laughs> toilet paper <laughs> well, well before you guys were all running to Walmart. Um, so I, I get that. But, look, the, the problem here is the government mandating the masks. Um, the way this should work. And, and by the way, the building a population of people who are compliant to government edicts like you must wear a mask, that's more dangerous than any virus could possibly be. That is the danger. The danger is a public that obeys without question government edicts. That's yes. the danger. Um, that's the primary danger. It's way more dangerous than COVID. Way more. Um, and so, I look, I don't. If we were in a free society in which the government wasn't doing this, there might still be establishments that said, well, we have a mask policy. And I may or may not go into those establishments based on my own, uh, you know, how much I wanted to be there, how inconvenient it was, whatever. The free market would decide uh, on a case-by-case -case basis. You know, if you own a hospital and you say people don't need masks, then fine. If you own a hospital and say people do need masks in this hospital, Fine. Like yeah. that, that, that is something for people. And then we could have, if the government wasn't mandating this, then we could sit down and have the discussion about the value of the masks, the actual risk, whether the masks are a good idea or not, when they should be used, when they're appropriate, when they're not appropriate, what the downsides are. I don't even want to have that conversation because we are, the, the thing that bothers me most about this is we are in a culture in which everyone thinks that the conversation that needs to be had is what's best for us. That is not, that's the wrong conversation. The conversation is, why does the government get to decide what's best for us? That's the conversation. We like, this person, this Kathy Young person is assuming, she's assuming that the government gets to decide what's best and they've decided and you disagree and that makes you a piece of shit. And the fact is the government shouldn't be deciding this in the first place. Where are the people who will stand up and say, it's not about the efficacy of a mask. It's about my right to not be forced at gunpoint to wear a thing that the government wants me to wear. Uh, and by the way, this isn't right. quarantine. Quarantine, and so I saw someone in chat earlier say, well, this is common practice in China and Japan and Korea. No, it's not. I mean, yes, during COVID, there was a huge, they are draconian and obviously in China and they're authoritarian. So they went 
crazy and violating rights to do whatever they wanted. That's true. But standard practice in Asian countries is to wear a mask when you're sick so that you don't get other people sick. It's not to wear masks yeah. everyone. Every flu season, everyone doesn't wear masks. And in China right now, in most places, they're not wearing masks. They're done. I know this. They're yeah. done. They're not wearing masks. So, um, and they're because they're they're also when they say common practice in China to wear masks, they mean culturally this is what people do when they sick when they're sick they choose to do it when they are and sick. When they are sick, and you, as you're pointing out, that's really different than the government saying you must wear it when you're healthy. You must wear it when you're when you're healthy. And yeah, I, I just, you're right. It, the issue here, my, my biggest, well, I have more than one issue with it. One is the government mandate, I, which I, I'm opposed to the government forcing this on people. Um, and two, it, it's just all of the cumulative negative effects that it's having on us culturally and psychologically that we don't even know yet. We're using little kids, our little kids are basically guinea, it's a generation of guinea pigs of what is this going to do to them? And I saw someone in chat saying their 11-year-old has sunk into a Great Depression over this. Yeah, can you imagine being a kid and 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 this being normalized the way it is? Where well, it definitely isolates people. It definitely um, breaks community bonds. So just social distancing at your concert, wearing ma like wearing masks and social distancing. You didn't meet anyone new. You didn't get to have conversations with anyone new. You didn't connect with people. It, I mean, talk about how to isolate. You solidify existing relationships, basically forbid new relationships, which is what this does. It forbids meeting new people in general. Um, you can't connect behind a mask. Um, and it teaches kids that, well, when the government says to wear blah for the po public good, you wear blah, and you don't question wearing blah. Questioning wearing blah is bad, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And, you know, this this reminds me, I don't know if you know this, Carrie, but YouTube censored the Ron Paul Institute's uh, Liberty Report. Ron Paul has a Liberty Report. I think it's every day. No, I didn't um, know that. They censored his video for, um, wait, hold on, I'll find the, I'm going to find the exact language. I'm going to show you it. It's related to the, exactly what we're talking about. So, all right. They censored the Liberty Report. Because the, na the name of the episode was COVID Whistleblowers Exposed Narrative as Total Fraud. And here's the reason they, they censored it. It violates their community guidelines. Specifically, YouTube doesn't allow content that explicitly disputes the efficacy of the WHO or local health authorities recommended guidelines on social distancing and self-isolation that may lead people to act against the guidance. I just want to translate this. YouTube doesn't allow content that might lead people to disobey government edicts. That's it. Wow. That's it. This, this is how you don't have to be China to have an authoritarian social credit system and in, in a, a completely technologically advanced authoritarian state. You get these jerks at Alphabet to do it for you. The government doesn't have to outlaw you. wrong think. YouTube does it for them. And what's the definition of wrong think? Stuff bureaucrats don't like. If this isn't more dangerous than a mask, I have no idea what is. Or not wearing a mask, I mean. I, if yeah. this isn't more dangerous than walking around without a mask, that nothing is. I don't. Th this is ridiculous. This is the this threat is to Western civilization in a nutshell. Right. This is one tiny part of what I'm talking about when I say these mass cumulative negative harmful effects 
of yeah. where we're heading now. And we've been doing this for how long? Some people have been wearing these all six months. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't take very long for something to become a habit and for you to start to change your your neural pathways and your wiring and for you to get comfortable with something like this and feel like it's okay for the government to tell you this and then for social media to censor information on behalf of the government. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Yep. By, by the way, someone in chat just said it's funny that those same people don't care that the WHO about the WHO when they suggest breastfeeding for at least years. Yeah, that's an interesting one, right? Because for at least two years, I think the WHO, I think they still suggest that, which, by the way, is good if you don't breastfeed for at least a couple of years. Um, it does increase the chance of lowering your IQ, uh, like I think one and a half points on average or something like and there's child bonding. There's reasons. But the left doesn't like those reasons because women are supposed to be able to pop out babies, throw them in government-sponsored daycare, and get back to t- paying taxes. Uh, heaven forbid you rec- you say staying at home, breastfeeding is good for your family and your kids. Uh, so we can ignore that guideline. In fact, they would probably, yeah. if you, <laughs> my guess is if you started saying that on YouTube, they might have more of a problem with you recommending the WHO guideline than going against it. Uh, but yeah. I hear you on the masks, Carrie. And uh, yeah, thank you for hearing you know. me. I guess I just wanted to try and explain because, again, I think there's a lack of understanding coming from the people who choose to wear them. And we, again, I'll just speak for me. I understand your reasoning. I understand. I'm not assuming bad faith on your part. And I'm not arguing with made up reasons that I'm putting in your mouth, but I don't think you, if you're a person like Kathy Young, I'll just take her as an example since she was so, (laughs) she was the craziest response. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't think you, Kathy Young understand why I don't wear it. And I think you're, I mean, you obviously, you don't want to maybe, and you are obviously assuming bad faith on my part and assuming I'm a bad human and you know, you you can disagree that it that you 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 believe it it's causes greater harm not to wear them but i don't think you fundamentally understand i believe it causes greater harm to wear them <laughs> this goes back to something i've learned about when i started coming out of the social justice left was um and i've given this example before but it's a great example there there was a headline in huffington post from a woman who said the headline was something to the effect of, I don't know how to get Trump voters to care about people. And so her whole premise is built on this false notion that if you vote for Trump, you don't care about people. And one of the examples that she gave was, you know, I don't know how to explain to you that people deserve a living wage because you just don't care about people if you don't support a living, a living wage, you know, if you don't support raising the minimum wage. And it, it, Look, what I I came to learn about conservatives is that they oppose raising the minimum wage because they do care about people. You're fundamentally misunderstanding their reasoning. You're assuming bad faith and you're assuming they're bad people because they have a difference in opinion on the policy, but you don't understand their reasons. So how can you expect to have a – you're the one who's behaving like a horrible person because you're dehumanizing them and saying they don't care about people because they don't agree with you on raising the minimum wage. They oppose raising the minimum wage because they think and studies show it hurts people. It hurts people. People get fired, they get laid off, their shifts get reduced. Small businesses can't afford to employ as many people. So they think cumulatively 
the effects are more negative or more harmful to raise the minimum wage, and you think the effects are better to raise the minimum wage. But they don't look at you and say, for the most part, I'm sure there are some conservatives that do. I might. But but they don't look at you and say, you don't care about people. Carter might. Carter, you I'm might not a conservative, but I, I might look at them and say they don't care about people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, mea culpa on that one. Uh, yeah, because, look, I don't – What's what hurts people? Like, what's what's what this concept of, like, this is bad for people, I hate that concept just as much as it's what's good for people. Like, it's not your business. This is why we have principles. People have a right to self-ownership. They decide whether they wear masks. It's part of owning your body. Leftists will talk all day about my rights, my body, my body, my choice, blah, 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 blah. My face, my choice. I don't have to put a mask on because I own myself. That is a principled position. And that principled position is based on the love of humans as such. It is based on the understanding that humans have rights and no matter how much you want to, you cannot violate them for any stupid reason that you can couch in terms of public good or public harm. And like, there is nothing more caring than actually sticking to good principles. That's caring. So I don't really give a shit about this like, well, more people could be harmed if we do this and less people did it. Shut the hell up. That's not the conversation. The conversation is we have rights in this country. The reason that this country recognizes rights is because human rights are essential to being a moral society. We recognize those rights and you better damn well stick by them even when it's hard. That's the way to be moral. That's how to care about humans is you stick by your principles even when it's hard. Yeah. I like your rant, Carter. Somebody in chat says, by the way, because of the black microphone in your black shirt that you look like a priest. You can only see the top little white. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Here, I, my collar needs to go like in a little bit. Do they, what do they, they yeah. do? This? <laughs> We're getting an exorcism on the SJWs now. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I know we talk about my friend who's uh, an atheist who's like wanting to be Christian. Uh, although I think she joined a Bible study recently. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've said this before, but like the, the main reason that she's that she's like wanting to be a Christian is <laughs> she looks around. She's like, well, people are definitely possessed and evil seems really real. So there better be something <laughs> else. <laughs> That's kind of hard like, to argue. I mean, I look at that. I, I don't believe that, but I look at it and I go. I see why you think there's a devil. <laughs> That's for sure. I totally get that. <laughs> Actually, Jordan Peterson's talked about that before, about, um, and I, I can't remember how he phrased it, So, but the way I, re I recall it was that he, he talked about how people who can look around them and and more clearly see, obviously see, the evidence of evil, which leads some people, like your friend, to say, well, then there must be good. You know, right. if there is ultimate evil and I can see evidence of it, then there must be good. I think she's scared. She's like, this evil is so powerful that I like there better be something really powerful that's good because I don't know how the hell we fight it otherwise. I think, I think that's the, 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 that's the thought process. Let's do some this is let's do some super chats because we're going to get behind and we're, we're trying to be yeah. caught up on super chats. Uh, Cuppy Cake. 
Let me know when you can see them, Carrie, and then I'll let you read them. But I'll read the ones that I, I don't think you can see. Uh, Cuppy Cake says, uh, gives us five bucks. Thank you, Cuppy Cake. And says, guys, Trump has been nominated for a third Peace Prize by a group of four Aussie law professors. The more they hate, the bigger he grows. It's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> wasn't Yasser Arafat the recipient of a Peace Prize? I mean, why is it even allowed? Like, why do we even call it a Peace Prize anymore? I don't, I don't get it. But, uh, yeah, okay. Tax Tara. Thank you, Tax Tara. She says, COVID-19 is no longer a new virus. We know a lot about it now. I'm so tired of people acting like it's still February or March. Enough already, people. Yeah, right. When it was a new virus and we were looking at the, we were looking at China, information was bad, but we saw how China was reacting. And that made us, that gave us some heart palpitations, really, my, my family about like, okay, they're they're taking this really seriously. Let's err on the side of caution and take it really seriously because they're taking it like oddly seriously, like more seriously than we've ever seen them take anything. They really now there might have been political reasons for that. Who knows what all the reasons were? But um, but it's not February anymore. It's not January. It's at the end of January. It's not February. It's not March. Uh, it's now almost October. <laughs> and uh, if you want to look at What's happened, uh, death count, you can look at the last show where we went over uh, mortality rates. Okay, Mandy, thank you, Mandy. Mandy, you got it, Carrie? You're you're muted, uh, Carrie. You're muted. <clears throat> I was going to say, yeah, it's not January anymore. It's been almost 10 months. And hopefully, if you're an awake person, your opinions have changed or are changing, or ch and I'm not saying they have to change along with me. I'm just saying, hopefully your opinions have not remained static for 10 months. We have a lot more information now. So yeah. anyway, uh, Cheeky Mayor. Wait, you know, Mandy, do Mandy one. next. Mandy oh, says, Carrie, do you want me to send Kathy Young some messages in Russian? Beep bop, idi nahu suka blot. Yeah, sure. I think that's a she great probably, idea. I don't, know. I don't know if she knows this. Well, not that I know a whole lot about her, but I know about her because I like I've liked some of her writing. So uh, I don't know if she knows as much about me, but she certainly has assumed a lot about me. Maybe she assumes I'm a Russian bot, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Melissa Thorson. Do you see Melissa Thorson's? <clears throat> Carrie, can you give us. Thank you, Melissa. Carrie, can you give us some links to some of those studies on masks? Need ammo. Thanks. Yes, actually, uh, I will. I promise. I promise. I promise. I will compile those and get those to Carter or to Beverly today. And they're really. It's really interesting reading. Somebody sent a bunch of stuff to me, and so, I, I you know, like Carter, I, I'm. I like reading statistics and studies, and um, some of these were. I, I I wouldn't say that the ones I've read so far have told me anything I didn't know, but it's good to see that. Yeah, I guess my some of my concerns people have looked into this and they obviously yes wearing masks sort of lower your impulse control and make it easier for you to dehumanize people who would have thought <laughs> gee gee i wonder why uh i wonder why that is hmm isn't uh isn't like every dystopian bad guy future like half of them the the bad guys are wearing masks or they're making yeah yeah so, yeah um, in one of the studies they gave people it signs with embarrassing things on the signs humiliating things and they were measuring how how much money it would take to get the person to stand on a on a street corner and hold mm. a, a humiliating sign. And obviously, if they're wearing a mask, they're more likely to engage in humiliating behavior. Yeah, they had to pay, and they paid them a lot less if they were wearing a mask. 
That that makes sense. Yeah. Can I just there's one more caveat? There's one more nuance I want to throw out as if people are going to look into the mask stuff. Um, there's a false dichotomy going on in which people are like masks help or masks hurt. They don't help or they do help or they hurt or they help. Like maybe there's a trichotomy, right? <laughs> or the, you know whatever. Um, the truth is, masks like almost everything is a cost benefit analysis. Like you need to like. Are there so, like even a mask, even if you are a screen door on your face, there is a small probability that a coronavirus wisps across the room and lands on the screen of the screen door and you don't inhale it. Like, obviously, that reduces risk very slightly. Um, now, masks, uh, the coronavirus, I think, is 100 microns and even N95 masks are 300 micron holes. So not a lot of reduction, but some reduction. I don't know the size of the particles that you exhale, some of which are bad that you shouldn't re-inhale, and the stuff that can grow on the mask, that's got to have negative effects. Everything's a risk-reward. Everything's a cost-benefit analysis. So anyone who says, masks are always bad, wipe my hands a bit, they're wrong. Anyone who says, masks are always good, QED, they're wrong. Like, <laughs> that's not how the world works. Masks, there's a risk-reward, and there's a reason why yes. surgeons wear masks, um, yes. and it's helpful. And there's a reason why you might want to wear a mask in certain areas, in certain circumstances. It might be helpful. Um, if I were going to, here's a great example of when I would choose to wear one, since people have asked. On the rare occasions I've chosen to wear one. If I were going into a nursing home, I would wear a mask. Hmm. If right. I were in an enclosed you might be room carrying with elderly it. people. Right, and because I'm, I'm around a lot of people who are actually higher risk than most of the people in the general population. So, I mean, it, like you said, it's risk reward. And, and I'm not someone who thinks masks are always bad. I just think cumulatively the way we're doing engaging in it now on a mass level where everyone's expected to wear them even outside. And you, I, I just think it's scary I, and it's not good for us right. as human beings. Right. And, and by the way, the other nuance to that is our ability to measure with accuracy all this information is limited. So there's going to be a gray area in which people will have different opinions. Like educated professionals who really understand all the science will still have different opinions about the efficacy of wearing masks in certain situations. Like that's they just do. gonna happen. Yeah. A lot of the people who are, are very religious about wearing them, like Kathy Young, I'm assuming, um, they, do, they haven't read the studies from medical and health professionals. Maybe she has. But there was someone in, in the thread, one of the threads who asked me, you know, haven't you seen the studies from health experts and medical experts who say you should wear them? I was like, yes. And I've also seen studies from medical experts who say you should not wear them. And, and let's not forget this. Fauci told us not to wear them and then said, no, now you should wear them. And I lied. He claimed that his first statement was a lie. Uh, I don't know if it's a lie or not, because you're now telling me by saying it was a lie and, and having he, he gave justific attempted justifications for his lie or his reasoning for lying. But you've now told me not to trust you about anything. You've now told me you're not a, by your own words. You said I am a liar. <laughs> so yeah. how do I even know that that's what that you lied? Maybe your opinion changed. Who knows? But anyway. Now. Maybe you're lying now, but he told us to not to wear them, and then he told us to wear them. But again, my my opinion is not rooted in Fauci. It, it, it's just you know that's it's not even I. 
Yeah, that's you know, Carrie, that's that. an, that's another interesting thing I've seen. I saw this with a friend of mine the other day when I, I he was like, well, have you seen the studies on blah, blah, blah? And I said, yeah, have you seen, I mentioned to some Stanford professors and some other stuff, have you seen these other studies on experts? And it was interesting how quickly he got to the heart of the difference between us. He was like, well, but Fauci is a government official. Now, for me, I'm like, oh, so I trust him less. And for him, yeah. he was like, so I trust him more. And so oh, then we like, yeah. we internet, we like immediately got into an argument about this. And I was like, well, the Stanford guy is, aside from grants from the government and whatever else, like he's in the free market. People value his opinion and are paying him. Like the government guy, okay, he rose through the bureaucracy. Like I, I don't, that's not better to me. Certainly not better. Yeah. Um, it's probably worse. Uh, so, um, but yeah, there are definitely the state theists who worship, they absolutely worship the idea of the state. By the way, this guy hates Trump. So this is not like a, he loves the Trump bureaucracy, right? He hates Trump, but he loves the state. He loves it. So he's just like, well, it's a government official. They must be correct. It's the government. They're, right. I worship the government, right? It's like, all right, right. well, I mean, that's well, not the kind of attitude that lasts, uh, that, that helps a free society maintain itself. Like, if you want authoritarianism, yeah, adopt that attitude and, you know, enjoy, enjoy the ride. Yeah, well, well, the people are worshiping the government, but they're also worshiping so-called medical and health professionals, but only the ones that are being promoted the by the mainstream media. Ones. Only <laughs> yes. the government improvements. And if you remember, this should give everyone great pause. If you're one of those people who worship the so-called medical and public health experts that the media pushes in our face. Remember when they told us those same medical and health professionals said we should not be protesting the lockdown, that we don't care about people. Again, they they assume right. people's motives and they assume bad faith and they try and say you're a bad person. They say you want to kill grandma if you're protesting the lockdown. You should not go outside. Medical and health professionals agree you should not go outside and protest the lockdown. And then what happened? Then the same medical and health professionals that the media pushes said, hey, you should go outside and protest with BLM. Because racism is a public health crisis. And they right. put out a statement, a statement, and it was on all the media where they told us medical and health professionals agree you should go protest for the BLM. Does that not give you pause? Yeah, I, I heard Biden say something the other day about this, too. It was like a couple weeks ago. He said something about, like, I think he was saying mental health, and that's related to health. So everything's health. And like, it reminded me of these doctors who's like, well, racism is a, a public health crisis. You could say that about anything. Marxism is a yeah. public health crisis. Uh, it killed more people last century than any known other public health crisis. So Marxism is a public health crisis. All the Marxists and anyone who's on the left should be rounded up and put in concentration camps because they're a public health crisis. I mean, quarantine zones. I mean, you could make any, I'm not making that argument. I'm just saying like, you could say anything is a public health crisis. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, and my by the way, I you think my what? argument for Marxism the is lockdown, much better. The lockdown, you could say, and I think you would be right that the lockdowns are a public health crisis yes. because they're putting small businesses out of business, they're laying off people, and and making it hard for them to provide for their family, and they're driving up suicide rates and addiction rates and depression rates, and they're driving up uh, domestic abuse and you know public health crisis. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. and, you know, not being able to feed your family and shutting your business down doesn't do wonders for your health. Uh, yeah. So, all right, let's, let's get back to Super Chats. Battle Gnome 23, 
Battle on 23, thank you, says science, quote, says nothing. It only quantifies specific observable dynamics under controlled conditions. Yes, that is that is true. 100% agree. Yeah. Okay, uh, what's the next one here? Is it Cheeky Mare? I don't know. I'm scrolling. I got to find the next one. Sorry. There's been a, there's been a lot of Super Chats. We, we fell behind a little bit today on Super Chats, but that's okay. Yeah, we're catching up. Thank you, guys. Yes, it and is Cheeky Mare. All... Go ahead. Um, thanks, by the way, to everyone who showed up for book club yesterday. We did a live video discussion of human diversity by Charles Murray, and you guys can check out that discussion. It's it's on our channel. Uh, the next book we're reading is Screw Tape Letters, and you guys have a chance. We usually alternate fiction and nonfiction, so we're doing C.S. Lewis Screw Tape Letters next. You can join us. Um, next super chat, Cheeky Mare. Thank you, Cheeky Mare says buying a book at Barnes and Noble, the masked, gloved plastic barrier cashier would not touch the book to flip it over to scan it hashtag covid logic i walked out <laughs> yeah yeah some people that's the other thing okay again when i talk about these mass cumulative net negative effects or the thing i believe it's having a, a net negative effect on us as humans there are people who already had certain types of germophobia or paranoia and it's spiking that for those people and there are people who already had these little authoritarian tendencies and the desire to control others and it's spiking that for those people it's it's bringing out the worst parts of ourselves and it's it and it's making those parts even worse it's it's encouraging those types of behaviors it's encouraging negative unhealthy behavior and so people who already had anxiety um, de uh, you know, depression or are probably experiencing more of it. And someone I've, I've seen people who have, who are germaphobes in an unhealthy way, who it's made them worse. I don't know if anybody still listens to Howard Stern. I don't, but my, my boyfriend does. And I hear about it quite a bit. He's a germaphobe. He's an admitted germaphobe. And this has just put him through the roof with his germaphobia. When he had at home, when they started doing transitioning to doing the, his show at home, he had the guy who came in to set up the, the tech have to wear a hazmat suit and they cleared out of the house for days before and after they didn't return to the house for several days after the guy with the hazmat suit came in to set up the tech. It's, it's, it's that's making his issues worse. Well, you know what I mean, look, I, the generation that's growing up through this, I mark my words. Now you're not going to be able to hold me accountable for this for another 20 years or whatever, but, uh, we're going to see a massive spike in allergies. Um, because this is how this is how allergies develop. This is one of the theories, and I think there's evidence behind this. One of the ways that allergies develop is by not exposing yourself to pathogens early or to allergens or to irritants. So uh, that's one of the re that's one of the theories behind um, peanut allergies. Actually, is that kids have been growing yeah. up in more sanitized environments, um, and it's why you've seen such an increase in peanut allergies. So you know we should be doing the opposite. We should be sending our kids outside and having them eat dirt. Instead, what we're doing is <laughs> putting them in little bubbles and not letting them like go near anything. Uh, that's not going to be good for their immune systems. It, it's and trust me, I've got allergies. As someone with allergies, like allergies suck. Uh, and you know, fortunately, I don't have anything like peanut allergy, which is deadly. But that's what it's going to be like. Uh, that's what we're doing to our kids. So yeah. All right. I think it's I think it's also yeah, we're going to see probably probably a spike in allergies and I think we're also people aren't building up their immune system. Kids are not building up their immune system. Of course not. Right? You know. Uh, right. 
I mean, yeah. my our rule in the house generally prior to COVID, and we're kind of getting back to that now, but our rule in the house generally was you don't wash your hands if you are only outside. But if you're in a public place touching doorknobs, then you wash your hands <laughs> before dinner. Because eating some dirt is not bad for you. <laughs> like, if the, like you're out playing in the woods, uh, I mean, unless you're playing in a, you know, in pesticide or something, uh, n- none of that's bad for you as a kid. That's that's fine. It's good for you and it's healthy for your immune system. So, um, all right. For anybody who's going to take this out of context, Carter's not encouraging you to get a spoon and start eating dirt. No, I am. If you have kids, let them eat uh, dirt. Really? Absolutely. I mean, not a lot of <laughs> dirt, but let them eat some dirt if they're kids. That's fine. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not dirt that's got lead in it, not dirt that has pesticide in it, but, like, if they're, like, licking their fingers after making a mud pie, don't freak out. It's fine. Like, leave them alone. Humans grew up in dirt. <laughs> like, we grew up in dirt, not hermetically sealed containers. Like, if we can't survive eating, like, it with some, like, dirt in our mouth growing up as kids, then we would not be here today. Like, do, do you think, like, we, we went out and hunted an animal? Like, we, we killed the buffalo, brought him back, and we're like, well... Let's make sure he's sanitized and the, the poking stick on the fire has got an alcohol swab on it before. Like, we just ate it. We just ate it. <sighs> okay. Not, not that you shouldn't sanitize. By the way, drinking water outside, bad idea. Like, yes, there's there's some bad. You, you can get horrible things. I'm not saying, like, there's there's a limit to what I'm saying. Absolutely. Like, yeah, Absolutely. you can get yeah. some really, well, really I'm bad I'm not things. saying get a spoon and eat some dirt. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. 2A self-defense law says, uh, Butler or Bolter, a law professor said, quote, once they get you answering the wrong question, it doesn't matter what the answer is. Yes. Thank you, sir. This is, this is again, my issue with people misunderstanding the motivation or the reasoning and putting, putting motivation and reasoning into people's mouths assigning it to them when it's not and and then forcing them to have that argument that straw man argument over here instead of addressing what their actual reasons are you can disagree with me all day and i'm i'm i know a lot of people do and maybe i'm wrong a lot of people would disagree with me and say no wearing the mask is the the good outweighs the harm let's have that argument but you're trying to get me to argue that you're trying to say that my reasoning is because uh, where I think wearing a mask is hard and I'm a selfish person. I don't care about people. You want me to have that wrong argument. That's not what I believe. Quit putting that on me. Let's have the argument about whether it does greater good or harm to wear them. I won't even have that argument with you. I'll, I'll have the argument about whether you have a right to decide what it is. My good is not the greater good. My good is what my, I decide what's good for me and you decide what's yeah. good for you. The end. You don't decide what's good for me. Yeah. Um, Carter will, would like to have a different argument with you. Why, why bother? bother? You got okay. Question go ahead. for Carter: Since you were alerted before the general public, did you also stock up on the toilet paper in advance? <laughs> oh, why bother? You have no idea. I'm sure he did. Well, I mean, in fairness, we are already <laughs> we're already not like we're already semi prepper type of people. So, in fairness, like I don't think actually. I mean, I made the toilet paper joke. I don't think actually we had to buy any toilet paper, um, but. Uh, we did make sure that we were stocked on all the, in all the areas where we sometimes are lax and we like let the supply go down a little bit. We made sure, you know, we did, um, we did plug in an extra freezer downstairs and stock it full of meat. Um, and, uh, 
just made sure we just made sure that we had everything that we could possibly need. Um, and and we have, you know, we're, we have large five gallon uh, containers full of rice and flour and that kind of stuff with desiccant in it so that it lasts for a long time. So, you know, yeah, we, we were pretty stocked. <laughs> like we could easily have sheltered for an entire year with never leaving the house. Um, it would have been, you know, inconvenient. We would have had to start drinking powdered milk and crap like that. Uh, but and we would have not had fresh eggs. But yeah. Um, okay. Philip, Philip says, friendly reminder, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, started public mass requirements during the Korean War to enhance propaganda that the USA was dropping infected mosquitoes in bombs. I did not know that. Wouldn't Thank you, Philip. mosquitoes burn up? In bomb? Oh, just a bomb of like a bomb load of mosquitoes? Huh. I don't know. Do masks help you with mosquitoes? I don't. I don't know. <clears throat> you don't breathe mosquitoes. Well, leave it J. to the H. leave it to the CCP. Who the hell knows what they're doing? <laughs> yeah. Either way, it. I absolutely believe masks make us more compliant. This this wearing them all the time, oh, of course. and I think they make us more susceptible to other types of propaganda in the future. And yep. yeah, I think that's negative. Obviously. Anyway, J.H. says, well ranted. Thank you. Please keep up the independent critical thinking and speaking. Thank you, J.H. Thank you for the contribution. We will try. We will try. I'm still scrolling, but uh, I think the next one's Mac Daddy. Did you see that one? Uh, Let's see. Mac Daddy. No, you do it. (laughs) It's a good one. Hey, Mac Daddy. Mac Daddy says, Scott Adams makes a convincing argument that Joe Biden is possessed by Satan. Uh, I haven't seen that one. Uh, (laughs) I do like Scott Adams usually, but I haven't seen that particular video. Uh, he's metaphorically possessed by Satan and or dementia. Um, is it him or his handlers? Nunya Biz. You do it. Nunya Biz, thank you, gives us 10 bucks and says, speaking of statistics, consider how all these DAs refusing to prosecute rioters will impact violent crime stats comparing leftist leftist violence versus right. Can't report on the stats that will never get reported. That's a great um, that's a great point, right? Every everything like that, every faking of reality has an impact and you, you pay the piper eventually. And we will pay the piper on that one as well. Insight of the Ages. Insight of the Ages says... Masks, mask only help. They don't stop the virus from spreading during a protest. Spikes would be expected, but we don't spike. Masks aren't Hashtag. magic. Hashtag masks aren't magic. They don't stop the virus from spreading during a protest. Yeah. He's saying that if they stopped it from spreading, he said they don't stop the virus from spreading during a protest. Spikes would be expected, but we're not spiking. We're not seeing spikes. Didn't we see spikes after like... Uh... Well, I, I'm getting this from the mainstream media, and I never, we never, I never investigated it. But didn't they report on spikes after some motorcycle rally and some other crap? They always, they never report on spikes after BLM protests, though. So, it, who knows? In fact, they do the opposite. They tell <laughs> right. us they that there sure have been no spikes. spikes. Just to let you guys know, the the uh, virus is magic, and it didn't spike after BLM protests. So, because, and if you look at that, they actually, in their studies of contact tracing, they specifically excluded the question of whether you'd been to a BLM protest or not. Uh, okay, Let Freedom Ring, America. Thank you, Let Freedom Ring. I love your name. It says, my wife is in the medical field. I can't tell you how many RNs, 
have told me that masks are bullshit. By the way, Carter, you should wear one of the bow ties I sent you. Hashtag wear the bow tie. <laughs> I, I could wear the bow tie. Uh, I will. I do. I have. You sent me a few. They're clip on, so I don't have to tie them, which is good. I have to say, the person who sent you these ties and stuff, like this tie that you're wearing today, this alpha is very snazzy. Yeah. I like it. There's a lot. You should see. There's every. There's like fancy ties that are kind of sparkly and like more conservative ties. It's a whole. I've got. It's like I. Ha, I had to buy another tie rack. <laughs> to store the ties. I love it. Um. All right. Do you want to do uh, Chavez Chavez? Uh, Chavez Chavez says, thank you, Chavez. Says, I found the franchises and the businesses in blue cities make it most difficult to give them my money. I don't patronize cashless. Yeah, that's absolutely true. They've, they have gotten to this place where a lot of people are no longer accepting cash. And I, and again, I've oh. having been on this road trip recently, it tended to be in the more woke cities where they won't take your cash. I have a and, question for a lawyer. Yeah. Is it legal to not take cash? I don't know. Let's get a lawyer on the show. <laughs> um, I, by the way, I don't think there should be a law about anything. So I'm not saying it should be illegal, but I thought I thought you were required to take cash, um, but maybe not. Uh, all right. I could be wrong. Chavez Chavez, another one from Chavez Chavez. He says, also, you're at 626 viewers. Congrats. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I saw we were hitting a pretty high number. Nice. Thank you. Welcome any new folks who are here. This is the, the live show that we do on Mondays and Fridays. Uh, Nicole Pratt. This is uh, Nicole of the Mountain People, who, if you can see it, did this beautiful needlepoint that's behind me. You probably can't see it in the split screen. No, but she I, did I, this changed, I got out of the split screen so people could see oh. the needlepoint. Yeah, so she made this Unsafe Space logo for us, which is super cool. Anyway, Nicole says, I can't wait to walk away with you, Carrie. Oh, yeah, I'm losing track of time. I have, once again, I'm going to make that little notice that I make for people. If you've sent me a message, I am sorry. I'm way behind on messages and replying. I'm setting aside part today to get to it. And I'm also, I haven't caught up with my schedule, making sure my paper calendar is correct. Carter's going to laugh because I use a paper calendar. But I need to get anyway, point being this coming weekend, I'm going to go up to D.C. for the big walk away event. And um, Nicole of the Mountain People has graciously gotten me a ticket so I could go. Oh, nice. I, don't, I think it's OK for me to admit that, that uh, otherwise I wouldn't have been. Able, so but thank you. And I'm going to be there with you. That'll be fun to see some walk away people. Yeah, I know. Um... Yeah. Okay. I know. By the way, so people are saying you can't. You you don't have to. You, like for a hotel, you need not cash and rental cards. I know that there are certain industries where there's other regulations that require them collecting information or doing deposits and that kind of stuff. But I don't know. Anyway, if a lawyer can tell me, great. Gary, let's get yeah. off the mask stuff. Let's get off the mask. There's a lot more happening. That was just a funny. Woo. I think one of the most interesting <laughs> things that happened was the Project Veritas video. Did you see this Project Veritas video? Oh, what's I haven't seen the new one. What is it? Well, um, this is a you sh people should go watch the video. I'll put the link here. This is the page, just so people can see it. Um, this is the page about the video. I'll put this link in. Um, in chat and the, the headline here is Elon Omar connected cash for ballots voter fraud scheme corrupts elections um now 
I, I, I think we should be a little careful in reporting this because I know I'm, I'm going to say something that I'm going to both defend conservatives and tell them to be a little bit cautious on some of this. So first of all, let's just talk about what happened. There was an insider in, so this is, we're talking about Minnesota's, Minnesota's uh, Ward 6 or Minneapolis, I guess, Ward 6, um, Minnesota District 5, which is where Ilhan Omar's congressional seat is. It's the heart of the Somali community um, and her political base. And there was an insider there. <clears throat> His name is Omar Jamal. Uh, he's part of the Somali community. He works with the Ramsey County Sheriff's Department, and he's the chairman of uh, the Somali Watchdog Group. And uh, there's actually another guy named Jamal, by the way, so don't get the two confused. One's, one's alleged to be doing bad things. The other one is the whistleblower. Um, the other guy named Jamal is, worth, is, is, in, is part of Minnesota's Democratic Farmer Labor Party, uh, which is basically the Democrats there. Um, and what we see in this video is evidence of uh, a ballot harvesting scheme, which I'll describe in a, in a moment. Um, and But I want to, at the outset, say there is no direct evidence of Ilhan Omar being involved. Um, so there's a lot of circumstantial evidence. <laughs> there's a lot of suggestive evidence. Uh, but there's nothing in the video, or at least the part one that was released already, that like it's not like you get her caught on tape saying anything directly, but there but it is pretty close to her, which we'll get to. Um, and actually, I think it brings up a bigger issue to which she is related. Um, so, which is why uh, I still want to talk about her. But here's the scheme: a ballot har a ballot harvester, which I haven't heard of before. They basically do this. Um, so in this case, it was this guy named uh, Liban Mohammed, but. They go to old folks' homes. In this case, they went to three different ones. One was is Horn Towers Senior Community Center. And they get the old folks to sign up for vote by mail. And they say, sign up for vote by mail, but when it comes, don't do anything. I'm going to come back to collect it. And so they sign up for vote by mail. The, the ballots come. They come back and they take the ballots away from the senior citizens. And I can't tell whether it's just like in a mean way, whether they pay them. It seems like there's maybe various methods for this just convincing them that, oh, this is the process. I'm going to take the ballot. Uh, and it's not even clear whether the ballots are filled out. Um, if they are filled out, they're definitely told to be filled out for the correct candidate. But it looks like they're not filled out, many of them. Um, and there was a video with this guy who had 300 of these ballots, some of which were not filled out and open envelopes in his car. Um, and, and then they go, they take these ballots and they go, obviously, fill them out and submit them. And just to be clear, the law on this is you can you can help someone submit a ballot. You can you can transport three ballots at a time. So 300 is clearly outside of the bounds of how, how many ballots you can transport. Um, and there's also some stuff in this video that talks about um, temporary addresses being used to, to bump to jack up the numbers of voters in a particular district and so people coming in and like eight people in one small house that who aren't actually there and all that kind of stuff um and the connection to ilhan omar aside from that it's in her district is uh ali gainey who is her primary campaign manager one of the sources in this investigation indicated uh that this guy is a key player in this entire ballot harvesting scheme now keep in mind you might look at this stuff and say, well, you know, it's, you know, a few thousand votes. Like, if you've got 10 people doing this and, you know, it's just a few thousand votes here and there. Omar only won her congressional district by 29,000 votes. Congressional districts are small, so it doesn't take a lot um, to start swinging th swaying things one way or another. Um, and so the idea here is you've got um, older people, often first-generation Somalis or people who don't understand the system well. 
Um, so, and they've got like a younger person in their community saying, I'm going to take care of it for you, right? Maybe paying them to do it, maybe not. They don't even necessarily understand that this isn't how the system in America works uh, because, you know, why would they? Uh, and I do recommend going and watching the Project Veritas video uh, because there's a lot of information in there, but I don't want to just poach the entire video and go through all the information, but that's the overview of what happened. And um, so here's the, the cautions note I will tell conservatives. There is not direct evidence that Elon Omar was doing this or that it was happening in her campaign. Her campaign manager is named, but not her directly, and there's not direct evidence. Mm. The flip side of this is, this is why conservatives are worried about immigration. And I think it's worth talking about. Um, whenever conservatives bring up immigration, they're automatically labeled xenophobic. Um, and and the left, and, and by the way, there's a split here in the Libertarian Party between like people who are like, oh, we should have open borders. Why are you like immigration, like stopping immigration is the use of force and you shouldn't stop people and therefore you just need to let people in. Um, and then there's uh, libertarian type people who disagree with this and do think there should be borders. And I think it's important to make this, this I think it's important to lay out the concern because the concern is, is very real. Um, when you import a population of people into a system in which voters have the power to violate your rights, and and we are in a system right now. I know that's not maybe what how we think of it. We think of that we have these rights, and you can't pass laws that you know violate our rights. But obviously, you can. Um, our and and people seem to ignore that. So when you have a system in which your rights can be violated, and people are voting to violate your rights which, by the way, is the in initiation of force indirectly, um, when people are voting to violate your rights uh, and you've got an entire culture that encourages universal suffrage, every not only universal suffrage, everyone can vote, but everyone should vote. Um, you've got a lot of low information, low IQ, and culturally, culturally naive voters that can be very easily exploited. And the left doesn't care about this because they're the ones okay. doing the exploitation. They're the yeah. ones exploiting this mostly. So that's the concern here. And it's why I have this quote behind me. It just says, keep it. But it's it's to remind me of the Ben Franklin. There's a famous Ben Franklin story, which I think is mostly true. Historians are not 100% how much of it's true, but it's considered to be mostly true. Um, that this a lady by the name of Mrs. Powell, likely, likely it was Mrs. Powell um, of Philadelphia, she asked Franklin, well, doctor, what have we got? A republic or a monarchy? This is after the um, founding, right? And he says, a republic, if you can keep it. And this is the concern that conservatives and the side of libertarians that worry about immigration are concerned about, keeping it. You can't keep a republic full with, with a culture full of people who don't care about individual rights and don't care about a republic. That's the conundrum that we're in. And I think that, and that's the conversation no one's allowed to have because as soon as anyone on the right, it's mostly people on the right, bring this up, the left just calls them racist and xenophobic. Mm -hmm. And this is why people are concerned about 
Ilhan Omar because she's representative of a um, of immigration that's that's bringing in radical in this case radical leftism married with uh, Somali culture, bringing in radical leftism in in a place where Minnesota probably wouldn't have this right um, right and. It has real effects on our future culture. And it's not just, this isn't about racism. It's not about, and I'm sure, by the way, if there was a magical wand you could wave that tested the immigrants at the border, like magically test them so you knew damn well how they were going to vote. And it turned out you only let people in who would vote for smaller government. The left would be all over a wall. The left would be funding a wall as the top priority. The left would... The, the wall would be the number one Biden-Harris issue would be the wall. Yeah. AOC would want a wall. Everyone, all the left would want a wall. They don't want a wall well, because the opposite's true. Actually, most of the immigrants from many of these places are, because most of the world is not uh, culturally educated to small government freedom individual rights. That's not, that is not a mainstream, like, global value system and other things are and that's what's happening they have they've shown time and again that this is part of the reason i walked away they don't have consistent principles and and trust me i'm not saying this is just isolated on the left this this hypocrisy is a problem everywhere you know it doesn't matter it's not a left thing or a right thing but on the left, the amount of hypocrisy got to a point that made me want to vomit. It, it was just, you know, like you said, if the circumstances were different, they would support a wall. You know, they change their position depending on if it benefits the ideology or not. They're not consistent. And that, that it, it just grosses me out. Yeah. And, and, and as someone who, look, I don't, I don't actually want a big state with the big borders and all this. Like, I, I'm worried about a wall because it could keep me in, right? Like, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned about a wall. Um, and I'm not saying we should build one. But uh, the, the discussion that needs to be had is a cultural shift in the United States makes the United States not the United States anymore. Um, it changes if you, it. Yeah. If you clear out Japan and move Norwegians to Japan, it's not Japan anymore. Like, it's Norway on a different island, right? Like, that's what it is. You can't, and, and it's not, and I'm not, this isn't racial. This isn't even really cultural. This is like, it's kind of cultural, but it's, this is the norm of, do you want individual rights? Do you want a limited government, individual rights, freedom, liberty-oriented culture? Because to have that, you need to have people who adopt that culture. And as we've learned from Charles Murray, People aren't tabula rasa. They're not blank slates. This is the this is the mistake the Marxists made. They they thought that they could just like, oh, people are going to behave this way. But if we just train them in Marxism, they'll suddenly have this magical brotherly love, and uh, we'll be able to implement to each according to his need and from each according to his ability, and and it will function fine because we can just reprogram individuals. No, you can't. You can't reprogram individuals. It's not that easy. And the idea that we're just going to Bring a bunch of people in and then have government schools teach them how to be like, hey, this is how you can be a liberty minded. 
uh, that it's just a fantasy which, that makes absolutely, it's just an insane fantasy. Which the government schools are no longer teaching anyway. They the never government did. Schools are no, yeah, they're not teaching how to be liberty-minded. They're teaching how to be Marxist now. Of course. They never taught how to be liberty-minded. Yeah. A liberty-minded public school teacher would say, uh, I shouldn't, ex- my job should not exist in the fact function that it exists. I should be privately funded and your parents should be paying directly for my salary. That's what a liberty-minded, that's what a liberty-minded public school educator says. But you're never going to get one to say that. So maybe there's one or two. I don't know. But certainly they're not the norm. Well, thank you for giving me that update. I recommend people go watch it. It's a, it's a good, it's a, and I think there's another part that's coming out. Um, I don't know if it's today or whatever, but. So. That's a concern. Should we catch up on Super Chats real quick? And yes, then I saw you. Sorry, I was distracted because you sent me some signal messages. I don't know if I should be bringing them up now or It's later. five images. Yeah, but let's do the Super Chats first. Okay, okay. We'll... All right. Uh, Channel Julio or Chanel Julio, depending on how Chanel. fancy you are. <laughs> uh, I gave <laughs> – thank you. Uh, I gave away my absentee ballot for an extension to my car warranty, having buyer's remorse. <laughs> I hope that's a joke, but – you know uh you could i don't know how you police that stuff let freedom ring america thank you again says the ballot harvesting scheme sickens me it is oppression and tyranny many immigrants come from authoritarian governments and are easily exploited yeah of course they are yeah and and frankly even if they weren't exploited it doesn't mean they share small government (laughs) individual rights liberty values uh so and and a, lot, and a lot of these, like, when you come from an authoritarian government, you might actually think this is how elections work. Like, oh, if someone comes and t- takes your thing, like, that's, like, and they, like, I've never, I've never been able to vote for whoever I want before. I've always had someone fill in who I was voting for, like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, that's not that far-fetched. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Meigs. Uh, I've got the next one. Meigs says, okay. many conservatives believe in innocent until proven guilty. Don't blame Omar. Blame the mail-in voting. There's so much evidence of harvesting. It's absurd. I agree. Right. I agree with what Carl said. Right. Yeah. And and I think I'm not saying all conservatives are doing this, but I am seeing like a, a lot of uh, it's Elon Omar being directly accused of this. And look, she might be totally. I wouldn't put it past her because I don't like her. And I think she's probably corrupt. However, in this particular case, I don't know of any direct evidence of her involvement here, and I didn't see it in the video. All right. Uh, Derek, you want to do Derek? Derek says, Wales Woman's old TV kept shutting off her entire village's broadband every morning for 18 months. How might an ANCAP solve this problem? Oh, that's a question for Carter. What an interesting old thought experiment. Old TV kept shutting off her entire village's broadband? I don't actually know her TV was shutting off the village's broadband every morning? Yeah, let's morning? say there's some tech tech problem and your te- your television is shutting off. I don't, I don't even understand the question. Why would ANCAPs need to solve the problem? The, tele- the broadband company needs to solve the problem and figure out, like, aren't they, are they sharing a wire? I assume they're sharing some kind of wire or sharing some electricity. There are plenty of independent parties losing money in that situation. Trust me, they will figure out it it really quickly people don't like losing money so i don't i don't even get the question and caps won't solve that people who own those things will solve that Um, okay okay um here's go ahead 
Uh, are we done with Super Chats? Cause it, yeah, do you want me the, to put the other stuff up while you're talking? Yeah, this is what I thought I would start off with today before the mask thing happened. Okay. So if you're not aware, and I guess if you've been watching our show for a while, you are aware, social justice ideology is my old belief system. And I often call, I refer to it now as a cult uh, because I've, it, Carter and I have gone through the cult characteristics and it checks off a lot of them, enough to be called a cult. Um, but one of the people who there's the, one of the ones that doesn't check off is that there's no one charismatic leader. There's no one charismatic leader that people look to. There are several leaders who ebb and it ebbs and flows. Who's who are, who's most popular at the time in this ideology. So two of the people I refer to as the high priests and priestesses. And I took that from my friend, Gracie West, um, who has a channel called embarrassing mom. You should check out also a former SJW, uh, Two of these high priests are Robin D'Angelo at the moment and Ibram X. Kendi. Um, can you put up the first one I sent you? It's it's Ibram's. Oh, Ibram's, I thought this was the first uh, one you sent me. No, I'll, I'll resend it. Um, oh, no, no, don't resend it. That just confuses me. Okay. Is it the one that starts with I'm challenging? No. Okay. What it's, is the it? one, just... it's the one where Ibram says some white colonizers. Oh, the Richard Spencer one. No, okay. but... Uh, I wanted to do the Spencer one last. Sorry, I should have organized this. This one? <clears throat> no. All right. See, guys, this is, uh, we're all a mess. I don't know what one you're talking about. Okay. Oh, here, this sit. one. I see. Some white comment. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. We weren't prepared. So, we weren't prepared. This is my fault. So, Ibram X. Kendi is the author of the book, <laughs> several books. Uh, one is called How to Be an Anti-Racist. It's one of the, the most popular woke indoctrination books at the moment. It's on a lot of the lists that you may have seen circulating around your kid's school or at church, uh, which is being infected by this ideology. And he also wrote Anti-Racist Baby, which is about how babies are racist and you, you need to teach your baby to be anti-racist. So... Um, one of the things about social justice ideologues is that they change language. They're very concerned with controlling people. They're authoritarians in nature. How do you control people? You control thought. How do you control thought? You control language. They do things like redefine words. They come up with new words and definitions for those words. And they keep you from thinking by pushing these magic words. And, and you will see the people who fall in with this cult just repeat these things almost religiously, like, like they're repeating scripture, like dogma. So they use the word anti-racist to mean racist. First of all, what they mean when they say anti-racist is they mean, ask them, they mean that we should treat people, they treat people, judge people and treat people differently on the basis of race. Anti-racist means do all the things that the woke people tell you to do. And one of those things is treating people differently on the basis of race. Well, that's racist. It's not very different than white supremacy. So this is a tweet of Ibram's that got a lot of attention. And I think rightfully so, but I think it's very, I think it's disgusting. I think it's a disgusting sentiment. Um, Trump has appointed Amy Cohen Barrett, or he's, he's nominated her to the Supreme court. And you can see here there was somebody who said, with two adopted children from Haiti, it's going to be interesting to watch the Democrats try to smear Amy Cohen Barrett as a racist. Because as we know, 
Democrats have become beholden to social justice ideology, and they are now engaging in the same thing the social justice ideologues do, which is just to call anyone who disagrees with them a racist. And so Ibram retweets this, and he says, some white colonizers, quote, adopted black children. They, quote, civilized these, quote, savage children in the, quote, superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. So look at what he's doing here. He's demonizing Amy Coney Barrett and her husband for adopting two kids who needed a home and parenting these kids and being a parent to two children. They're, he's, he's attacking them. Is this one of the most, I've seen him do a lot of despicable things. This is one of the most despicable things I've seen him tweet, which is try to impugn someone's character for adopting. Well, this is the weird it's, thing. He seems to have some information. I mean, I read this and I look at that and go, oh, it looks like she went to Haiti and stole kids from some parents that were in Haiti and brought them back. That's what it, that's what it looks like. Like his tweet trying, implies that she took them away, right? Like they civilized savage children in the superior ways while using them as props, blah, 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 while cutting biological parents out of these picture, like... Did she cut the parents out of the picture or did the parents were they already gone and he's, out of the picture? He's trying to say, oh, he's trying to say that it's just as bad that if you're a white person who adopts a black child that you're just as bad. I see. As, so it, now it's, it's racism to not let them you, die. Yes. It is racism <laughs> for you to be an adopted parent for to adopt a child and it, it it's one of the most despicable things I've seen him tweet and afterwards Somebody po rightly pointed out, so one of these I sent you starts with, this is some funny shit. <laughs> oh, I think that was the um, one I put up first. Let me go. I'll go back yeah. to that one. Hold on. So this guy says, this is some funny shit. These are the same people who argue that it doesn't matter if gay couples adopt, that the only important thing is for the kid to have a family who loves it. And I would say, rightly so. You want to be intellectually consistent. If you're a person who says... Gay couples should be able to adopt because the only important thing is that the kid has a family who loves it. And then you're a person who criticizes Amy Coney Barrett for adopting. You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Yeah. Um, so he says, at the same time, these are the people saying white people should not adopt kids of color. Yeah, they're hypocrites. They're not guided by principles. They're guided by an evil ideology. So, um, so then, because he got a lot of attention on it, Ibram X. Kendi replied... Oh, he replied and, to this one, huh? He tried to clarify himself. Okay, let's. He tried see. to clarify, and, he, the one, and this so is he the says, one that starts I'm, with "I'm challenging," right? Yes. Okay. Hold so on. he says, "I'm challenging the idea that white parents of kids of color are inherently quote not racist," and the bots completely change what I'm saying to white parents of kids of color are inherently racist. Okay, let's stop there for a second, because I think. I, something immediately stood out to me on this, and I saw that James Lindsay had already covered it. James Lindsay is the next tweet. James Lindsay says, wait a minute. You yourself say that there is no not racist. In fact, the whole premise of your book, I'm going to add as an aside, the whole premise of your awful book is that not racist is not a thing. And you've tweeted this several times. You've said it's impossible to be not racist. <laughs> so anyway, James says, Wait a minute, you yourself say that there is no not racist, only racist and anti-racist. 
So you therefore think that white parents adopting not white, not white children is either racist or anti-racist. And you didn't paint it out like you think it's anti-racist. <laughs> quite the opposite. Quite hmm. the opposite. It's like, this is, uh, what is that, hoisted on your own petard? You don't even believe the crap that you're selling, that all these woke white people are buying from you. You're selling a load of crap. You're saying, not racist, it, it doesn't exist. You, everything is either racist or it's anti-racist, which, by the way, anti-racist is my buzzword for my kind of racism. So anyway, you're saying that everything is either racist or anti-racist. And now you're trying to backtrack and say, I didn't, I didn't specifically say that Amy Coney Barrett is racist for adopting children. Oh, yeah? That's the way you – yes, that's how you put it out there. You didn't say she's anti-racist for doing it. <laughs> like – Wow, hoisted by your, on your own petard. I thought, I was like, well, James Lindsay's covered this and, and said it better than I can, so let's just show this. So that was kind of interesting to me. And then the final thing I wanted to show about this, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this, is the Richard Spencer tweet. So we've pointed out several times that woke ideology, social justice Marxism, is not that different from white supremacy. In fact, we've done numerous episodes of this show where we point out that they push white supremacist beliefs. They teach us that uh, being on time, that uh, math, that grammar, that uh, accomplishment, success, hard work, integrity, uh, you know, individualism. Uh, individualism, that, you know, strength of all of these things, the nuclear family, they say all these things are white. <laughs> you know who else says that? White supremacists. This guy. You guys have so much in common. <laughs> Richard Spencer. You guys have so much in common with white supremacists. You're pushing the same stuff. White supremacists love you for a reason. So Richard Spencer retweets this Ibram X. Kendi tweet about white colonizers adopting black children, civilizing them and into the superior ways of white people. And he says, not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. And, and you know what? I saw this too. I've got a couple people who follow me on Facebook who I suspect are leaning towards white supremacy. I'm not, oh, really? I'm not, I don't. Yes. And, and just like I have a lot of people who follow me who I know suspect, and in some cases know are in the social justice racism. I think both are equally abhorrent and evil. And there's one guy I suspect he's leaning that way. And I think we, we've talked about this before. One of my fear, one of my concerns about social justice ideology becoming mainstreamed, it is racism. It teaches a lot of the same things that white supremacy teaches. One major difference, one major difference. They, they both say, hey, race is the most important thing. Whatever group you're in is the most important thing. Instead of treating people as individuals based on their character and their behavior and their beliefs, we should treat people as members of whatever racial group they're in. We should judge and treat people differently on the basis of race. They both teach this. They both teach that all these things we mentioned are white. <laughs> yeah. They both teach that. One important difference, the woke social justice Marxists, their version of racism says, and white people are down here. They're, they're in the bad group. White supremacists say white people are up here. They're in the good group. Otherwise, kind of indistinguishable. Okay. So if you're a person who buys into this false dichotomy that there's only one, you have to choose between one of these two evil racist belief systems and you're a white person, well, you're going to have incentive to start going over to that white supremacist camp because they all say the same thing. But those guys are saying you're in the good group, right? 
I'm very afraid of this happening. I'm very afraid of these two types of evil feeding off of each other and growing one another. And so there's a couple guys that follow me. There's two in particular who follow me on Facebook who I think have been leaning in that direction. I think they're an example of that fear I'm talking about. And one of them took Ibram Kendi's words and just like Richard, Richard Spencer, he posted them. He reposted them. He didn't offer any added commentary. He didn't say not wrong like Richard Spencer. He just posted the words. Right. And then coming from him, people were like, what is this racist crap? You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> He believes in it too. I he think Richard Spencer is probably trolling him a little bit, but yeah, yeah. but he's but yeah, it's they are comfortable with this. White yeah. supremacists we've seen are celebrating. They are celebrating the expansion of social justice ideology into mainstream culture. Yeah, and I, look, I would say you've also got. I just want to make uh, some distinctions because I think things actually get even blurrier the closer you get to. So, so there's like the white supremacists who believe in basically white superiority. And then there's the, we'll say the, the massive SJW supremacists who basically hate whites, who are explicitly anti-white. But I think there's, a, there's, a, there's people in the middle who are getting tempted to either side who are separatists. Um, and there's, because there's, I've, seen, I've seen the rise of white separatists as well who are saying, well, they're not, we're no one's superior, but we should all we should all stick with our own, basically, right? Yeah. And Ibram Kendi, to me, I mean, he's, he probably also just hates white people. I get that. But there's a lot of people who I think will look at Ibram Kendi's thing and be like, oh, he's just pushing for separatism. You shouldn't have interracial marriage. You shouldn't have interracial adopting. You shouldn't have interracial whatever because we should all stay separate. And uh, I think there's a large... That, that's a growing movement, and I think it's dangerous because that's just tribalism, right? Um, and that is uh, – that's kind of where we are. That's kind of the anti-enlightenment idea, and uh, as soon as we start that, that's just a recipe for civil war, um, I think. I think it's a recipe for civil war. Yeah. Uh, but I think the left loves this crap because it's separating, right? Yeah. Anyone who says white people shouldn't adopt – black kids or whatever it's just it's uh it's keeps us in our own lanes so yeah it's it's racist it's divisive it's it's awful and and keep in mind let's not forget twitter jack at twitter twitter donated 10 million million dollars oh that's right to, to kendy to ibram x kendy he gave him 10 million dollars for what purpose to push his racism into the world to indoctrinate people into his racism. Can you imagine if Twitter gave $10 million to Richard Spencer or to David Duke and said, you're doing a great job with your racism. Here's 10 million to help you get it out there further. That's where, that's the state of our world right now. Ibram X. Kendi should be treated the same way that we treat Richard Spencer. He should be a laughing stock. He should be mocked. He should be pushed to the margins of society. Because what he preaches and spreads is evil and it's racist. Should be treated the same way. But you know how the state of the world we're in right now? You want to know what their systemic racism is right now? We're supporting. We're supporting one of these two kinds of extreme, disgusting racism. Our companies, our social media companies are giving them millions of dollars. 
it should be mind blowing. That that's where we're at. But yeah, I was, it would yeah. have been mind blowing maybe a long time ago. Now I just tiring. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. <laughs> tired of it. I'm tired of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, it's it's gonna be hard for it's gonna be hard for Western culture to survive playing this game. Uh, yeah. You know, and and the idea actually that you should be mixing racially is not universal. <laughs> There's a lot of places on Earth where it's still not cool. Um, so we're just refracturing into tribes when we do that. So. <sighs> Well, who, who would have thought Richard Spencer and Ibram Kendi agree? Who would have On thought? On a lot. I know. On a lot. <laughs> um, all right. So, wait, let's do some more super chats and then we'll yeah. move on. Let's see. Uh, Keith the Hat Guy. Thank you, Keith. Keith says No state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts. Article one. Fiat is what is unlawful. Oh, there you go. But refusing pay- paper fake money is legit. Credit cards only is allowed. <laughs> so thank you, Keith. So technically, uh, the Federal Reserve notes are. Yeah. That, sadly, that's probably true. Just everyone, no one cares. Okay. Um, I like the way your brain works, Keith. I, 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 Keith's probably right about that. To a self-defense law. Thank you. To a self-defense law. It says 35 or 40 years ago, I remember a report about the acceptability on how many rat turds and <laughs> rodent hairs are acceptable in a Snickers bar. <laughs> Yeah, well, I remember the same report. I not the same one, but I remember a very similar thing about peanut butter, um, and like how much there's a certain amount of like bug and rat debris, <laughs> shall we say, detritus, that is allowed to be in peanut butter. Um, look, everything. There's nothing 100 percent pure, so. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but detritus is one of those words that gives me. A physical reaction i get cold shivers when you said it <laughs> you know i was thinking about i it's interesting that you said that because someone used the word moist the other day yeah which is a word universally hated yeah but i actually was thinking about it and i realized i need to come clean by on this i don't hate any of those words and i don't understand people having like getting shivers over a word really like, none of the words people like that word's weird i've realized like i kind of sometimes nod but then I've like I actually don't feel that way. I don't feel weird about any words. Uh, I don't know what that's about. I do. I don't know what I it mean, is. I mean, communism. Either. That's a creepy word, but that's because of the meaning. No, it's about the sound. I think it's I think it's about the sound, and sometimes it has to do with the meaning as well. But it it really is a phonetic thing. It's the there's something huh. about the word moist. That's yeah. Just, it doesn't bother ooh. me at all. Uh, detritus. Ooh. I think detritus <laughs> is a great word actually. Uh, but maybe I should stop using it. Um, I had okay. a friend who she tried to explain it. She had a, a problem with when people per, pronounced uh, double T's with a hard T sound like kittens. They didn't like the double T. All right. Yeah. No? With a hard T. Okay. So the G Schultz, thank you, says, I think Ibram's supposition is true for Madonna. Yeah. Again, this is what I mean about their hypocrisy. They, he is only, only attacking Amy Coney Barrett for being a white person who adopted black children because he, she's on the right. That's the only reason. They're freaking hypocrites. 
He's not going to do the same thing to, uh, here's a good one, Colin Kaepernick's parents. How are they doing? Maybe Evil Max Kendi should launch a Twitter war against Colin Kaepernick's parents and call them out for their racism, right? right? You're not going to see that. Well, and I think there is, I, I think there are people who fit something of what he's alluding to, which is there are people who feel like their adoption of kids from unfortunate backgrounds, specifically color, like kids, people of color, kids of color, I don't know, the, yeah. whatever, blacks, uh, they get extra brownie points for doing that. Um, they get to show that they're like the good white liberals. Um, I, I do think there's some of that going on. I would not accuse randomly parents of doing that. I think that's probably not true for most. But, you know, it might be true for Madonna. I don't know. Like, it, it might be true for certain elitist whites who want to show how good they are. And that's a thing they yeah. do. Um, and there those are... are the probably those are the circles that Kendi travels. So maybe he's run across women yeah. that do that. Couples that do that. He, he may have. My point is, there is no evidence to judge Amy Coney Barrett, Barrett, like the, he not. doesn't offer up anything other than her race, and th and right. that's BS. It's gross, and he wouldn't do it to someone on the left. And and I, yes, I've seen people who use kids as props. I absolutely have. I've seen uh, we we're seeing it now with kids, parents, woke parents who are using trans kids as props. And there was that that Christian homeschooling mom. Gosh, I, I wish I knew her name. Somebody in chat probably knows it. I don't think you saw this, Carter. This was an awful story. She has, she and her husband both have very popular YouTube and Instagram channels. They make all their money online doing these channels. Her cha his channels fo focus on automobiles. Hers was focused on homemaking and raising all of her children. And so, in all of her Instagram posts, you would hate this because her kids are in every post. It's all about what a great parent she is, and she and, and it's all about you know her her parenting style, and then also what she eats for breakfast in the morning, and just about. It's this a, is it's why exactly, I'm not. This is why I never am on Instagram. This is why, yeah. It, yeah, but it, she does vid YouTube videos too. The point is, she has the type of channel you would abhor because it's all about personality and putting out an image that's based around home life and specifically around kids. And I know you have issues about kids' privacy. Mm -hmm. So anyway, long story short, is a white homeschooling, um, a white a white Christian mom. She adopted they had like they had several kids they had several kids that were their biological children and then she adopted a baby from china when he was an infant mm -hmm. and she put him in all the pictures and stuff too and every all the her viewers came to know him as part of the family as well then when he was like three or four she had another baby biological baby and then it was all about that baby okay so she suddenly stopped posting pictures of her child the one that she adopted. He, he didn't appear anymore in the photos. She didn't tell anyone what happened, but finally it reached a point where her viewers were asking, where is he? Where's your kid? Right. He's not in any of your pictures anymore. She, then she did a tearful video where she and her husband talked about how they had to rehome him <laughs> because, because of his autis autism and his developmental issues and they weren't the right home. You rehomed your child after... You're the only mom he's ever known. You are his mom. Would you rehome your biological child? You rehomed him after three years, four years, whatever. Like that broke my heart. That yeah. story. And um, you know, when I think about people who use kids as a prop, 
that she's woman, a great example. Great example. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I agree, and I don't just have issues with that. I have arguments. Uh, kids, kids, de- kids deserve their your the privacy. They are independent of you. They're not your property, um, and uh, they can make a decision when they're older their extent of exposure like and it can be a slow decision um you know it can be a gradual transition to having more autonomy but i can't stand i mean look, look when they're when they're a baby i get like here's the baby picture but like shortly after that i just I, you know i like to stop posting because it's not uh especially in in this day and age it's just not it's a violation of their privacy um yeah and i think it's part of respecting kids yeah. Uh, By the way, somebody just said in chat, uh, you know, don't use the word rehome. Rachel said it's not appropriate adoption language and they never should have used it. I agree. That's why I used it. I wanted you to know the word she used. I thought it was so callous and it's or, or it's Orwellian. Like a lot of the words we criticize, it's Orwellian. You're trying to make what you just did to your child sound nicer. I rehomed him. Right. I don't even, you know. I have issues with, although I, I think I'm more understanding of people who quote rehome pets. But that's a word I've only ever heard with pets. I've only heard it and with pets. I've never heard it yeah. with humans. Yeah. I rehomed him. I remommed. Uh, anyway. I remommed my child. I remommed him. <laughs> you, you gave your child away. He had autism, and I didn't think that was enough to deal with psychologically, so I threw in some abandonment. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Oh my! Anyway, let's do. Let's get this taste out of my mouth. Let's do some. Okay, super let's chat. do. Meegs two ninety four has a question. Can you see Meegs? Super chat. Meegs, you you do it, and then I'll All catch right. up. Meegs says, "You said you're tired of this. Maybe I said that. I don't know. So can we get some uppers? What are your favorite movies? <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. Um, I'll give you. So let's see some good comedy movies. Uh, Princess Bride is great. It's also a good book." um holy grail is a great comedy movie uh oh, that's idiocracy that idiocracy allows you to laugh at everything that's going on uh but still not forget everything that's going on um and actually i'm gonna mention it and look i have my favorites i've got i watch die hard every year for christmas because it's my christmas movie and on november 5th i watch v for vendetta every year um but uh the one the obscure one that i'll throw out there is uh it's a movie from the 80s, and it's called Other People's Money, and I absolutely love it, specifically the speeches at the end. Um, there's a, the, sh- the, the movie culminates in a, I, it's going to sound, make the movie sound boring, but it's not, it's a fun movie. Uh, the movie culminates in a board of directors, a vote for a board of directors at a company and like a stockholders meeting, and the two sides get to say their piece, and um, I really, I really like it. It's a good movie to watch. What are your favorites, Carrie? Uh, I like this. Just a little bit of intermittent frivolity. Thank you for the question. Some of my favorite comedies of late. I've been revisiting the old movies. I like Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. I think it's one of the funniest movies ever made. I I really enjoy The Jerk, which I got to rewatch recently. Mm. Uh, Trading Places is great. And uh, well, since you mentioned Christmas movies, that's funny. I have the ones I always watch. I love. Dolly Parton's Smoky Mountain Christmas. I have an, a bootleg copy from Japan because they didn't used to have it out on DVD. I think you can actually buy it. I've never it even heard of that movie. DVD now. Oh, it's wonderful. John Ritter's in it. He plays the judge. She adopts all these orphans. Uh, probably racism. 
But <laughs> she adopt, she ends up adopting all these kids. When I was a kid, I was like, I really want Dolly Parton to adopt me. And I, I, I just, I have a lot of affection for her, as people may know. But anyway, I watch that every Christmas. And then uh, I love Pee Wee Herman's uh, holiday special. It's mm-hmm. really funny. And I also like... Uh, well, this I, it's funny. You consider Die Hard a Christmas movie. I consider totally. Long Kiss Goodnight. Long Kiss Goodnight with Samuel Jackson and Gina Davis. It's a good that's one. A, it's a Christmas movie. It happens at Christmas. Yeah. And that's a good one. It's kind of campy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, anyway. Wait, I forgot. There's a couple that I forgot. I do like um, <laughs> I do like Cabin in the Woods, I think is awesome. And, oh. and I like a couple of the fun zombie ones that are funny, like... Uh, uh, Zombieland, and what's the other one with uh, the guys in the UK? Crap, Carrie, you, you, I know you would know this. Um, oh, um, it's the uh, Z um, World World War Z. No, 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 no. It's a funny oh. one. Um, it's the guy who was in. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's a he. he S Mart. Um, yeah. Uh, my brain's not working today, but I know exactly. What, Mine either. What you're talking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's in like Hot Fuzz, I think, or in and yes. like yeah. Um, whatever that one is is a great one. And I do like classics, and I, you know what, I, I, um, I made my daughter watch Rambo recently, and her mom was like, I can't believe you let her watch Rambo. It's not Shot that violent. Dead. Rambo is one of the best movies. Rambo is an incredible movie. Um, it's not that, it's not that violent, and the story is really, uh, really touching. So, uh, I love Rambo, and I love the classics. I love Matrix and Terminator and that kind of shit, so. Shaun of the Dead, thank you, Beverly. Yeah, uh, the dead. And that actually, was the movie I, I was thinking of. We were doing if we were doing zombie movie category, then I have a whole nother list. And oh, fair enough. You know, I, I'm a huge zombie fan, but I I really uh, I like the I like the comedy ones too. But I like the ones that take it very seriously. I actually did like World War Z, although I didn't like the book very much. But that's one of the few times I like the movie. That was a good movie. Book. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, and then I like old movies. We've talked about this before. Bringing up Baby. Oh, that's a great one too. Hilarious. Great. Yeah. And I yeah. own pretty much every Betty Davis movie ever made. And if you guys haven't, if you don't know where to start with Betty Davis, the most popular one that people usually know, and you can definitely start there, is All About Eve. Mm. It, yeah. Anyway, anyway, thanks for that moment of frivolity. I'm sorry, we probably lost some viewers. <laughs> By the way, someone asked if I'm I, the mug is grenade shaped that I'm holding. Yes, it is grenade shaped, and it's an unsafe space mug, which you too can acquire by being a subscriber on Subscribestar at the twenty-five dollar and above level. All right, um, let's do some super chats. <laughs> more, more. We'll return to super chats. Uh, Rachel, thank you, Rachel. Rachel says hi from a longtime lurker in New Zealand. You guys rock. Hi, Rachel. Uh, I don't know if I was going to say from down under, but that's only Australia or is it everything south of the equator? I assume it's just Australia. Australia. So, hey, from Peter Jackson Uh, country. This is from my friend, Jen. Thank you, Jen. She says, thanks for helping me realize I've been saying detritus incorrectly in my head for my whole life. Ooh, detritus. (laughs) Maybe I'm saying it incorrectly. I don't know. That's how I say it. (laughs) Whoa, tiger. Calm down, buddy. All right, next one. We'll do Cheeky Mare while Carrie takes care of Tiger. Uh, hey, Cheeky Mare. Thank you. Cheeky Mare says, living in Indianapolis, Indiana, would anyone be interested in getting together to watch the live book club? Would love to meet and talk to non-crazies. Are you the one who sent me a message? There are people. I, I do want to connect communities, and I'm sorry I haven't done that yet, but talk to her in chat. And yeah, great idea. Okay. Uh, I do want to connect local communities in some way. We just haven't 
gotten around to it. Beverly will now yell at me for this escalating to the super chat level. Um, <laughs> return to reason. Return to reason. Go ahead. Says number one leader equals explained with a leaderless movement lens. See terrorist sleeper cells. It requires only an orthodox ideology for people to adopt and apply. Well, thank you so much for the super chat, Return to Reason. Yes, I I will think more about that because that's something Carter and I have struggled to uh, try and understand in, in the ways in which, or at least me anyway, the ways in which it, it's different um, from cult characteristics. And there's really only the one I can think of, which is that it yeah, doesn't have I, that charisma. I like Brett Weinstein's description of it, which is like uh, – it's a single. It's an ideology that evolves. It like things. It tries things and they don't work. And like, so Richard Dawkins coined the term meme, and it, it's intentionally sounds like gene because it, it was this. It was this idea that that ideas propagate in the same way that genes do. They evolve as they move through populations. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing with social justice. It's an evolved idea. Um, all right, G. Schultz. Oh, I, this is one I answered. Yes, it's a grenade-shaped mug. Uh, thank you, G. Schultz. Uh, what's the next one? Oh, this isn't a super chat, but somebody in the chat said, what about Bob? Yes, that's one of my favorite comedies, too. What about Bob? Is uh, you made me watch that recently, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, another G. one from G. Schultz. Says, Go ahead. Movies, I've got one, The Act of Killing. I've never even heard of that movie. I haven't, I haven't heard of it either. Uh, let's see. Are we, are we at the end? Are we close? Oh, here we go. Brendan, you want to do Brendan's? Uh, thank you, Brendan. He says, the best movie ever is The Grass is Greener from 1960. Cary Grant, and Robert Mitchum, and Deborah Kerr on how to repair a relationship after infidelity. Oh, I am going to check that out. Thank you. Uh, let's see. I think, uh, no, we're almost done. Here we go. Last one. Uh, Chumley... 73 says betty davis film must see is whales of august i haven't seen it thank you twee girl one more here we go go ahead please someone produce a richard spencer and ibram x (laughs) kendi buddy movie (laughs) you could probably do that just take things they've said side by side and like patch them together they could be having a conversation you could probably totally totally do that Ah, it's a great idea. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, there's not a lot. Big... Somebody already did that. His name is Ryan Long, and he did a really funny video oh, right. about how a woke guy and a racist guy, racists and white supremacists, are actually pretty similar and agree on almost everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if we have a lot more to talk about, Carrie. Um, no. I mean, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty done for the day. Oh. I do have a few more things. You, I, I just, just throw it out there. Did you see the OSU crime hypocrisy thing? The hate crime? No. There was a, the, the, the black people perpetuate, perpetuated a hate crime apparently against whites. And, um, and, it, and I'm putting hate crime in quotes because I don't think that's a valid term. Uh, but this, the so, student solidarity group at osu is very upset because hate crimes shouldn't be applied to white people um so okay so that's that's happening yeah. I, we could do a thing and, about and it but why I don't do need they to. believe just, that yeah. just let me just reiterate this why do they believe that because oh, they racist. believe in treating people differently on the basis of race yeah. just like white supremacists um we have one more super chat from q oh, okay. r from 
how do you say that? Oh, Quist. Christ. Christ. Good comedy movie, The Invention of Lying. Was that, is, who is that? Is that Jim Carrey or Steve Carell? Who is that? No, I don't think so. I've heard of it, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of something totally different. Um, yeah. So one final thing, and I didn't want to get deep into this because I haven't read enough about it yet. Mm-hmm. But I just heard, and you guys should check it out like I'm going to do. I just heard right before we started this that the New York Times article, the New York Times just disclosed Trump's tax records, tax records for the past 20 years, and buried, buried deep down in that story, is a very small sentence saying that there's no connection to any involvement with Russia. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and that Matt Taibbi did a good job of pointing this out on Twitter. So I haven't read that. I had the Trump taxes thing here queued up, but I just don't care. And I don't want to talk about Trump's taxes. So uh, no, I, no, 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 you're hearing yeah. me wrong. I don't care about Trump's taxes. Okay. I think it's funny that in that story, there's buried a sentence about how there's no, and by the way, there's no Russia collusion. And that's not the headline. <laughs> right. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. We can talk about, someday I do want to talk about the trope about corporate taxes and how they need to pay their fair share and they're not paying any taxes. I'm, I'm so tired of that crap. Uh, you just don't understand how taxes work. I'm sorry. If you like it, if you're complaining that a corporation is not paying taxes, you just have never worked at a high level at a corporation. You don't understand how money works. Um, so uh, like, yeah, I, I can't stand that, but that's a separate issue. They're complaining that he only paid 750 bucks in the last, you know, for, for some two year time period. It's like, okay, so he, he lost a bunch of money and used an offsetting credit cause he paid something another, like it just, yeah. Well, like people in the chat, everybody seems to be, this is one thing I guess we all agree on today is that nobody cares about Trump's taxes. No, no one cares about Trump's taxes. <laughs> what I do care about is that someone else in chat said the fifth element. I also watch that one every Christmas. So, and that's not even I a like Christmas it. movie, but that's a good movie. Yeah. It's a good uh, movie. So, I don't know. You guys, I'm telling you, Dolly Parton, get on that Smoky Mountain Christmas. <laughs> feel good, bye. Feel good. Feel good movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. It's been fun. We have Carrie? some interviews we're releasing this week that are very exciting. We got to talk with Brett Weinstein, guys. That's going to be coming out soon. We we're, talk about we're releasing a lot this week. Yeah. 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 If you haven't seen it yet, we just released several interviews this past week. We did an interview with Dr. Charles Murray. We also did a book club, a separate video where we discussed his book, Human Diversity. We did an interview with my pastor, Bradley Helgerson, which was so interesting if you haven't seen it yet especially watching him and carter talk together um and then we got to do an impromptu interview with gabe wrench who's one of the uh people who was arrested with the christians who were singing psalms in idaho um but yeah we have a lot coming out and if you like the show you can always um support us financially by going to unsafespace.com and going to the donate page the we have a uh, it'll take you to several links. You can choose how to donate, but subscribe star is the one that most choose to do. And if you donate at the $20 level or above, you get one of those snazzy mugs that Carter's drinking from with the grenade. And also if you can't support us financially, but you like the show and want to help out, you can share the video and you can hit like, and subscribe. And um, as always, it's been fun doing the live ones and talking to you guys. It is fun. And uh, if you're interested in, Whatever Beverly's going to throw together on Wednesday evening, check out Token Minority Report at, I think it's 5 Pacific. So 
we'll see how that goes. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one, Carrie. I will talk to you later. And, Thanks. Uh, we'll see Bye. everyone else later as well. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye, Carter. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. I have calculated a 97.5% chance that they are on the wrong side of history. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Democracy is a perfectly legitimate substitute for morality. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.